I understand what that song means now. I gotta go back and listen to that song. See, I ain't understand the song. We sing songs, don't he understand? I'm telling you, Zion is calling hit different when you actually move into a higher place. It hit different. We exalt the hit different when you actually exalt God. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> Episode 153. I'm Forrest Hall. And it's Real Church Matters. We talk Real Church Matters because Real Church Matters. It always does. Whether I'm sick or I'm well, whether I'm present or I'm not, whether I do a podcast or not, Real Church body and the people of God who operate in obedience will always matter no matter the politics no matter the climate no matter the sickness or disease or pestilence that will come across the earth real church matters I hope it matters in your home I hope it matters in your household I hope it matters to your family I hope it matters in the way that you teach in the way that you love I hope it matters in the way that you engage. I hope it matters in the way that you spend money. I hope it matters in the way that you walk, talk, and believe. Real church matters. I'm feeling great, guys. Uh, Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the encouragements. Thank you for your silence. That's always important. Just people who are just quiet quietly praying for you, quietly uh, speaking your name out into the heavenlies and understanding that everything don't need to be said and everything don't need to be done in the open. Some things need to be done in secret and God will reward you openly. And that's what's up. So with with that being said, housekeeping, realchurchmatters.com is where you can share with people. I hope you listen. I hope you rate it. I hope you review it. I hope you like it. And I hope you share it with people. I hope you tell them, hey, listen to this. Uh, with that in mind, I want to be better about um, going back. And this time, three years ago, was episode 41. You don't lead faith. Faith leads you. Episode 90 was the mission statement. That was two years ago. It's a great, great one. And episode 127 was a year ago. God loves hard. So, you know, we've been doing this for going on four years now. Um, Shout out to everybody that's uh, been a part of it. Uh, I have some plans, some people that I want to uh, have on here. Um, Even in COVID, I want to make sure that uh, I do get some type of discourse on here at some point. But I got something cool for y'all today. Yeah. Um, that I hope that you um, that you enjoy, and that's me cracking my knuckles for some reason. But with that being said, it's obedience over audience. So let's go. So um, in episode one fifty three, we're going to talk about ownership. Ownership. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about. I got to move this mic because it's going to drive me crazy. All right, there we go. Um, no, we got to move it again. All right, there we go. Perfect. Sorry about that, guys. Especially for those of you who listen on um, headphones and uh, can hear every little sound. Um, sorry about that. 
So in episode 153, when we talk about ownership, so I was thinking a lot about how I wanted to teach this because it's been on my heart. I was sitting in the hospital and thinking about life and what life is and feeling very grateful and appreciative that um, the situation didn't get worse than it was and I was able to still be in the land of living. I was grateful that I was put under and I came back. I understand none of that stuff should be taken lightly. And in the midst of laying in the hospital, I was thinking, am I, am I actually living out the purpose that I'm on earth? And I was weighing this in my heart because there are times where I, I think that maybe I could be just doing what I want to do. And I'm constantly trying to weigh that in my heart to make sure that I'm not doing what I that I'm doing something greater than me. I don't want to masquerade my will and my desires as something higher than it is. I want to actually be doing something beyond me. I don't want to do this podcast because I want to. I fight with that a lot. Those of you who know me know this is something I wrestle with. Uh, there are times where people say, hey, people should see your face. You should be more active and aware on social media. You should be uh, marketing the podcast so people can hear it and stuff. And I, for me, it's it's a constant back and forth. And I noticed that it even was for Jesus. Like there were times where he welcomed the crowd and there were times where he ran from the crowd, that he, dis- he dispersed the crowd, that he uh, just didn't want the throngs of people grabbing at him. There were times where people gathered and he would just uh, embrace and teach them. And other times where he would look at him and say, you guys are just here for the fishes and the loaves. It's a constant w- fight to make sure that the in- there is an integrity to what you're doing, whether it be the podcast, whether it be being preaching and teaching and being part of a local body, being a minister. I'm evaluating those things constantly to make sure that they are They have an integrity to them, that they are not my will. And I'm going to tell you why, because as I was searching and making sure that I did, I uh, that I am who I should be and not just who I want to be. I I came across some scriptures. I'm going to share them today and hopefully enlighten you. One of those scriptures being uh, Philippians 2, 13. And in Philippians 2.13, it says, for it is God, not forced, or for that matter, not you, who works in you. And and I'm constantly looking in myself to make sure that the person who is working, the person who is moving and doing and orchestrating and devising is not forced, but it is God who is working in me. Both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Basically what that means, because I want to make sure you understand it. It's a very peculiar way that it is worded. So what he's saying is God wants to work in us, strengthen us, enlighten us. For what reason? I can't, I don't want God's wisdom. I don't want his direction. I don't want any of that for my pleasure. I have to work that out within me. I have to constantly be making sure that I'm not trying to leverage 
a, a truth or a direction or God's will or his strength or his wisdom for my pleasure. He says in here that he gives us those things. He gives us all of it for to work, to work. Number one, I, I the way I evaluate myself is am I working? That That's number one. I think this is uh, podcast number two where I forgot to mute my laptop. I, I'm still getting back to it. But number one is that am I working forced? Are you working for God? Are you working and are you working for his pleasure? You get, you see, even, you know, the, there's a, a juxtaposition because you work for your boss. Your boss hired you because he needs you. In his mind, you are working towards his pleasure. In your mind, you're working towards yours. The thing is, is that you are truly working towards his because while you earn a living, he earns more than that. He earns a fortune, a wealth, ownership, leverage. Employees give that power to Owners. So while you're working and you may say I'm working because I want and it's for my pleasure, you are truly working for the owner's pleasure. And we have to constantly fool ourselves into thinking that we're working for ourselves. But in this respect, it's the other way around. Force is constantly trying to make sure that he is not acting as an owner. That he is acting as an employee who works for the pleasure of his owner. I don't own myself. As the scripture says, I am not my own. What does this mean? This means that everything I do has to be solely motivated for the pleasure. For the pleasure of God. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's truly what I was evaluating as I lay not on my deathbed, but just in the hospital bed recovering, I was evaluating what it meant to be a Christian. And if this podcast is anything, it is going to be a reminder of what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is, is that I allow God to work in me so that I can work for him. To his good pleasure. Let me put it this way. I hate to kind of remix scriptures. To be a Christian means to take pleasure in God working in you so that you might work for him and his good pleasure. That's what Philippians 2.13 is reminding us. That is the, the, the thesis of being a Christian. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That shared with us God's mission. But it also shared with us our work order. It, it, it shares with us that he is seeking out people who work towards this agenda. He didn't say that. That's just the beginning part. Like, it's like an owner having an idea for a company or a plan. He shares that plan with those who help him build that plan. But once that plan is built, as it expands, you need people. 
And so God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was just the beginning of his mission that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That sounds good. Did I, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But there's a, a, a something that is hidden within that. Whoever believes in him. When we say believe in him, we're saying whoever believes in his plan. See, there's people I, I make music. I don't make it for a living. I make it for a living. Let it sink in. It'll make sense later. The reality is that there are people who support me as a person, but have never listened to my music. It's not their thing. It's not their style. It is what it is. Truly, there are people who engage with God that way. They they support the idea of God, but they do not support the understanding of what it truly means to believe in him. To believe in God is to go beyond just supporting him in idea or in feeling or in thoughts. Is to support him in action and in work. And that's where we have to get to. Ownership means that someone owns us and they have a plan for us. In order for us to actually benefit from that, we have to execute their plan. Not our plan, their plan. So then we look at Romans 11.36, it says, For him, for from him, and through him, and to him, are all things. So let me say that again. So you you have this thing where it says, from him, that's us, from him. Everything that he created is from him. And then it says, through him. So everything is created from him, and then everything is sustained and is alive and is moving and is operating through him for a purpose. And that's this other part. It says, and to him are all things. So we came from him and he powers us so that we might be given to him. So that we might be purposed for him. Useful. Acknowledging that you're from God, acknowledging that he created you, acknowledging that he powers you, that you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. Or the scripture that we just read where he says he works in us and gives us a will and the power to do. That's great, too. But to understand that is to know the purpose of that is so that we can commit ourselves to him. That's the purpose. I love the rest of the scripture says to him be the glory forever. Amen. And so when we look at this, ownership is clearly seen in the scripture. Ownership means I come from him. I'm I move, live and have my being through him. Also that I can be given back to him and that I can move for him. That's what that means. My purpose is to work for God to his pleasure, 
Not my pleasure. His pleasure. Look a little further. Hebrews 13, 21 says, equip you. This goes along with Philippians 2, 13 as well, where he says he works in us both to will and to work. This scripture uh, sums it up in one word. He says equip. So God equips us. He gives us the tools that we need. He puts us in the situations that he needs to. He gives us the strength and the ingenuity and the giftings. And, and that's why we have to be evaluative of ourselves and who we are. Because why did he do what he did for us? Why did he make me me? Why did he give me these proclivities, these interests, these skills, these giftings? He did it for his pleasure. And I constantly have to weigh that. I constantly have to be doing a self audit of what I'm using my gifts for and for whose pleasure. It's not to say that I won't find pleasure in it. But it's to say that the motive the purpose behind what I do must be for his pleasure. You have a, a couple. They decide they want to have a child. They, they're they deciding that based on whose pleasure. You have a person. They have an idea for a business. They work this business, but it, it, this business is great and all, but it's to whose pleasure. You see this person, you're. Interested in them, attracted to them, smitten even. But to whose pleasure? You you guys understand we have to audit ourselves because we've been equipped with necessary tools for a particular purpose. I've been giving necessary things in my life for a particular purpose. That purpose is not for me. The purpose is not for my pleasure. I've been given hands, feet, eyes, intellect. Not for my pleasure. We have to come to terms with that. I hope you are coming to terms with that. You've been given these things not for your pleasure. Some of the most disappointed people are people who did things for their pleasure and found out that they are no longer pleased by it. There are so many frustrated people in marriages because they got married for their pleasure and they're no longer pleased by it. They're they're unhappy with their children. They had children for their pleasure and they're no longer pleased by it. They got this job or got money for their pleasure and they're no longer pleased by it. We don't understand the purpose of our life on earth is not for our pleasure, but for us to find pleasure in pleasing God. I'm going to say that again. The purpose of our life is not for our pleasure, but for us to find pleasure in pleasing God. So look at this. Ephesians 1 and 5 says he predestined us. Oh, I didn't even finish Hebrews 13, 21. Let me finish that. Equip. I, I didn't even get past the word equip. So you look at this and it's saying equip you with every good thing. Equip you, position you, give you necessary things for every good thing so that you can do his will. For no other reason, but so that you can do his will. And may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. 
it, it, you see how he's talking. This is a, a, a common thread throughout the scriptures. A mindset, if you will, dude, should be replicated by us in present time, in modern days. I have to retrain my heart, retrain my mind to not look at church the way I did. I looked at church in a way where I sought out God in church for my pleasure. As if I was ownership. But I'm not. I have been equipped with every good thing so that I can do his will. I've been equipped with giftings and and through those giftings, I've articulated them in ways that fit those giftings. So, yeah, podcast made sense. Yeah, making music made sense. Yeah, teaching and preaching made sense because of where I saw God's giftings leading me. But they are not for my pleasure. They're not for my pleasure. The things that God has gifted in you is not for your pleasure. There are so many people I see struggling to teach um, in church. I've seen it for years. I've seen people come and go. I've seen young people, young people, old people, everybody in between try to teach, but they're doing it for their pleasure. And they never reconcile the truth of that. They are always acting like it's not for their pleasure, but it's very clear to people outside of them. They're the last to figure out that it's for their pleasure. And they constantly are in a place of discontentment because they don't understand it's supposed to be to God's pleasure. This is just a pro tip for those of you who are in church. You may be new to church and want to be have a heart for it or, or think that you have a heart to teach. Or maybe you're just an old vet and you just need reminding. The reality is, is that. You will always feel discontented in what you are doing when you are trying to suss pleasure out of it for yourself. The minute I decided I'm doing what I'm doing to please God, his requirements are much simpler than mine. For me, I need people to respond a certain way to what I'm saying. For me, I need people to actually be there. I don't want one person there. I want two people there. I want three people there. I want a lot of people there. I want them to agree with me. I want them to respond favorably. I want them to receive it. I want their lives to be changed. I want so much in order for me to find pleasure in what I'm doing. And God is simple. He just finds pleasure in the obedience. Not even in what materializes from it. Not even from the result, which is all in his power. He can handle that himself. It says that one waters and one plants, but God gives the increase. He handles the result himself. He finds pleasure in the mere work. He finds pleasure in the mere work. I didn't hit the the microphone. He, He finds pleasure in the mere act of obedience. That's why he says obedience over sacrifices. It is the very work of obedience that he finds pleasure in. It is the obedience to his will. This is not the podcast where I discuss his will. His will is very simple. It's not deep, but it's not the podcast where I discuss it. There is podcasts where I have and there are future ones where I will. But just know 
You know his will. You do. Especially if you sit and listen to his podcast, then you are of a certain type of person that I would like to think is very aware at some degree of level of the word. And you can be in an elementary level of the word and understand his will and know the difference of his will. And if you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that blessing of a gift helps you to delineate and discern the very fact of what is his will and what is yours. And you hear a helicopter going by because, of course, why wouldn't it go by while I'm doing a podcast at 942 at night? So and may he accomplish in us what is pleasing in his sight. And this is just another word or phrasing for good pleasure. What is pleasing in his sight. What is pleasing to him is his pleasure. Ephesians 1 and 5 says he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So he's letting us know that he determined in advance. That's what predestined means. He determined in in advance who I would be. And what I would be equipped with and what those gifts are for. They're for his pleasure. Since this was determined in advance, my feelings, my experiences, and my desires didn't factor in. My feelings, my experiences, and my desires don't factor into his plan for me. His plan for me is to work to the purpose of his will. His plan for me is to work to the pleasure of his will. It's important that we understand it's predestined and predetermined because it is not up for debate now. This was laid out before you were formed in your mother's womb. I think the biggest thing that Christians have to deal with and reconcile with is the fact that they are not their own. And that means that a lot of the decisions they feel that they have to make are reduced to one decision to either obey God or deal with the weight of disobedience. It is not a democracy. It is not up for deliberation. It is not up for debate. It is not up for a conversation or discussion. It is not. You're just not a factor in that. The same way you go to work and you have no say, you have no input, you have no voice in how the business is ran. You are a part of the plan, but you do not get to have a say in the plan. This bothers Christians because There are things in the Bible that are not up for discussion or debate now when you understand that. Scriptures about unconditional love, agape love, scriptures about loving your enemy, 
scriptures about raising your children and the admonition of the Lord and what that means. Scriptures about uh, uh, honoring vows. Scriptures about uh, walking circumspectly and, and operating in holiness. These things are not up for debate. These things do not take into account your experiences or your troubles or your traumas. These things do not account for that. You were predestined for every trauma you've experienced. It pales in comparison to the gifts and abilities that you have been given before you experienced those traumas. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, you were given everything that pertains to life and godliness. And not one trauma on this earth can create a deficit where God has created a blessing. I'm going to say that again. There's not one trauma in the world that can create a deficit where God has placed a gift. I've been through some things, but one thing that has never been taken away from me is God's spirit. And the power and the giftings and the leadings and the wisdom that comes along with it. Please understand that. As you go through life and you question things and you're frustrated and you feel like you got a billion choices to make, you really only have one. Because you are not your own. And ownership means something to God. It means something. I want you to look at this. Ephesians 1 and 11 says, in him we were chosen as God's own. Chosen. You know, I was I was sharing with somebody and I told them it's as simple as just remembering Toy Story. You guys watch Toy Story. Whose name was written on the bottom of Andy uh, of Woody's boot? I just said who Andy. Because Andy's name was written on him, all he knew was that he was to the purpose of Andy. He was for Andy's good pleasure. And that motivated the toys to do whatever they could to stay with Andy because they felt Andy was their purpose in life. Ownership. Whose name is written on you? Ephesians 1 and 11 says, I am God's own. Having been predestined, there's that word, determined in advance, according to the plan of him who works out everything by the counsel of his will. He works out everything. Everything that he does is to his pleasure and to his will and to his plan. There is a plan for our lives. It is to work out everything or align everything to God's will. This was predestined for my life. As I thought that I might die, I only questioned one thing. Did I did I do his will? And as I realized that I wasn't going to die. I questioned myself if I'm am I doing his will effectively? If I'm not, how can I do it better? And part of it is just weighing in your heart. The truthfulness of who you are really doing things for. No one knows but you. No one knows but you. I learned long ago in my Christian walk, it is easy to fool people. 
If you do something noble enough, if you do something nice enough, if you do something that looks like it helps, people will assume that you are working for the Lord. I know people, young people who said, you know what, I want to do right by God. And so they, they married people. It looked right. It made sense. You don't want to be a sinner. You don't want to be out here fornicating. So get married. It's better to marry than to burn, as the scripture says. But what is deemed as right and holy and justified in the eyes of man is not always what is justified in the eyes of God. And you know that. Because all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we have to be honest with ourselves. I'm I'm in the business of being honest with myself and understanding that I need to make sure that everything from the podcast to the music I make to the books that I'm writing, everything has to be to his good will and his good pleasure. It cannot be to my own. I must find pleasure in pleasing God. That is something I have to rehearse because I am not the owner. I know what it feels like to be an owner. I, I own a business when I it's hard, hard. I just had a situation where they, somebody was saying, like, how come you didn't get help to help you with a, a, this project and this and that? And I was like, because it's not as simple as people think. People think that, you know, you just grab people and then they can articulate your vision. When you're in a pinch, you have to have time to articulate your vision to people so that they can actually do it. So you need people not only who have the skill set to do what you envision, but who have the mindset. Ah, Man, this is good stuff. This stuff, you know, this is like business one on one stuff. They need the skill set and the to do it and then the mindset to accept your vision and not their own. And so, you know, this goes to being a Christian because I understand ownership. I understand it as God being the owner. He has given me the skill set, but I have to have the mindset to operate those skills within, within the context of his vision and not my own. And that's what I'm trying to do with the little bit of time I got left on this earth. Because we ain't here before a speck of time. I just was watching the show. And he said, there's an eternity behind us. There's an eternity in front of us. But this moment right here is just a speck of dust. It doesn't measure to what has happened before us. It doesn't measure to what has happened. What is to happen after us. It's just a speck. Just a speck in this speck of time. I want to make sure that my mindset is connected to his vision and not my own. I've worked with people who act like they listened to me and had the skill set. And then when it came to see the work, it's like I didn't say to do that. Well, I thought, man, you know. I don't want you to lean to your own understanding. I want you to acknowledge me in all your ways because I'll direct your path and also sign your check. And in the same way, I have to change my mindset. And I lean to my own understanding and 
I'm sitting here and I'm paraphrasing Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. The reality is Forrest can't go by his own understanding. He has to acknowledge God's ways, acknowledge what pleases him. And that will empower me and embolden me and direct me to a, a good path. We're not the only ones who had to come to terms with ownership. Jesus had to come to terms with ownership. He, he talked to the owner and said, take, if, can you take this cup from me? He understood the plan, but he was not okay with the plan. This is something we have to understand. It's not easy to be okay with the plan, but there is a plan that we have to understand. It's not looking for us to be okay with it. The plan is the plan. The plan was the plan before Jesus was even formed in his mother's womb. It's not up for debate now. And that's why. He was comforted with a very good truth. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. How much of what I've done in my life has been my will? And of the things that I know was my will, what has it profited me? And if you listen to the last episode, because I don't want to rehash it. If you listen to the last episode, you understand it. My trip to the doctors and to the hospital for those four and a half days was not my will. I mean, it was it was not God's will. It was my will that was executed. It was my will that was played out. And I reaped the benefits of it. I ate the fruit of it. We learn and we grow. And as I said, for those of you who are taking notes, there's a plan for our lives. It is to work out everything to align to God's will. Matthew 1250 says, for whoever, whosoever, whoever shall do the will of my father, which is in heaven, the same as my brother and sister and mother. And this is Jesus Echoing, like I said, he had to understand these things himself. He had to work this out himself. He wanted to be around people who was working this out because he wanted to be encouraged in that reality. It is about the will of the father. We say things like the Lord is my shepherd. We're talking about understanding that someone else has a plan. And we have to have the mindset to follow out that plan with the skill set that we have been blessed with. Hebrews 10.36 For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. I love this scripture because as we talk about death, there's an understanding and a hope that everybody wants to be in heaven. To receive the promise. But he says in order for you to receive the promise. You have to have patience. That after you have done the will of God. See there's two things at work. He's saying you got to have. Patience. And you got to do the work. You have to do the will of God. 
ask yourself that question. If you're listening to this podcast, if you still listen after three and some nine years, are you doing the will of God? Heaven is afforded to those who do his will. I know that wasn't explicitly said in John 3.16. I know it just said believe. But belief looks a certain way. As it says, faith without works is dead. Belief looks a certain way. The same way I was telling you, support looks a certain way. Some people say they support me and love me and have never heard my music. (laughs) The reality is that that's not a, a, a whole level of support. And I understand it. People can't Sometimes they can't They want to support you But they don't like what you do And I want you to know that that's fine for a human But for God it doesn't matter whether you like it or not You need to support it You need to engage with it You need to receive it In your heart And obey it And then you can have patience For the time where you will truly rest. Some of you are resting now. And so eternal rest is not afforded to you. Now is the time we work. Matthew 7, 21, as we wrap this on up. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. I wanted to make sure after I said that, that I explicitly laid it out in the most explicit scripture. I could find Matthew seven twenty one says not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? I don't understand. It's because you have to do the will of the father. I understand you got to do the will of the father. See, I ain't understand the song. We sing songs, don't you understand? That's how you get in heaven. As I laid there and I I wanted to be sure about where I was going, I know where I was. I wanted to be sure about where I was going. I didn't ask myself, did I smoke? Did I drink? Did I cuss? Did I have naughty thoughts? I didn't ask myself any of that. I asked myself the question that Matthew 7 21 explicitly lays out for us. Hey, buddy, (laughs) did you do his will? For those of you who enjoy debating the word, for those of you who enjoy talking about the word, for those of you who enjoy acting and, and engaging in the idea of church, for those of you who enjoy playing church, for those of you who enjoy Uh, Carrying a certain weight Or respect Or level of reputation in church I want you to know None of that stuff will survive the trip To God None of that stuff will survive the trip To judgment But what will Is what you did for Christ (laughs) What you do for Christ will last Only what you do for Christ So while I've done a lot of talking to a lot of people, said a lot of things, some of it has been recorded in 153 episodes, 
over 153 hours. Only what I do for Christ will last. When I was laying there and fearing for my life, the only thing I thought about is what I did for Christ. Once I realized that I wasn't going to die, the only thing that I was asking myself is checking the quality of my work. Is it stepped on by my emotions and desires or is it pure and uncut obedience? Is it pure, unadulterated desire to please God? And if it's not, let's work to get it there. Let's work to get it there. That's what purity is. That's what holiness is. Purity and holiness is focusing on the purity of your intention, the purity of your motive, the quality and the purity of your work. Some of you go to work every day and you you never factor in the quality of your work. You just factor in the amount of hours you do so you can get paid. And so your boss or your owner doesn't get your best because your motive is hidden in his. Your motive supersedes his. So the quality of work is never at the forefront of your mind. Only what you can get. Man. And with that said, meditate on these things. This is episode 153, Real Church Matters. Ownership. God bless. Ownership.